Almost Awakened podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Almost Awakened podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Bill. And I'm Mikkel. And we are here today with Tim Burt. Uh, Tim, we wanted to talk today. You, you and uh, I know each other from an interview that I did with you a few years back. And you and I uh, talked a little bit ago and, and wanted to get Mikkel involved and have a conversation around healthier communication. And I, I first want to give you a chance just to introduce yourself, and then I'll jump into some of the thoughts I've got as we kind of start this conversation. It's great to be on with both of you. Um, I'm Timothy Burt. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor. I work in private practice, um, work a lot with couples and with families on communication skills and trauma and uh, a number of other issues. I really enjoy working with clients. I've been doing this for quite a while. I have a background also working with children in trauma, uh, working in children's advocacy centers in the past, but now I'm in private practice and I'm working a lot with uh, individuals um, and with couples. And part of the skills that we'd like to talk about today really go correspond with your uh, podcast on how we can improve uh, our interaction with others through uh, better communication and more skillfulness. That's really awesome. So as Mikkel and I have been talking the last few days, and her and I have been talking a lot about shadow work and what goes into that? And, and I just want to tell maybe just a, a little blip here, and then we'll jump into kind of your first section and, and get going. But it used to be, Tim, and Mikkel and I agree, it used to be we would hide ourselves. Like we would be a certain kind of person that we wanted the world to see and what we thought our, our significant others expected from us. And we filled these roles, and there's so much going on inside. And it feels like the moment you start to enter the space of being at least almost awakened that uh, that suddenly things get even harder. You think they would get easier. Like, okay, we're going to be more vulnerable. We're going to be more authentic. We're going to start showing people what's going on underneath uh, underneath all of this, and it's going to get easier because we're being honest with each other. And the reality is, it gets it gets tough. Bill, I was just talking to one of our friends last night, and uh, she said the ki- kind of the same thing that that we and she was talking about her and her husband that they've they've become more open and they are more honest and vulnerable. And she said, I initially expected my problems to get easier, especially our relationship problems. But she said, it's, it's just a different set of problems because we hold ourselves to a higher, like a higher standard. Now, you know, she said, we, I expect my spouse to be more vulnerable with me. And when he's not, then that's where the, the problems start to arise is when they, they revert back to old patterns and habits. So it's interesting to me. Yeah, and so we wanted to jump in uh, here, and Tim, I wanted you to maybe talk for a moment, which I think is a great foundation for this, the idea that uh, we've got to come to grips that every other human, specifically our significant other and our loved ones that we have all these interactions with, they are their worldview is different, 
they their experience is different their the story is the stories in their head and how their life is unfolding is different than we think of it so bill what you're saying is that people don't see the things that the way that I see them and that it's okay for people to have different thoughts and ideas and views than my own? Well, yeah. I mean, what Tim wanted to start off here with was the idea that we often, I think, like me and my wife are going along. We've been married 21 years. We're sharing this journey together and it is this common journey. And what Tim's about to tell us, Mikkel, is that it's not, it doesn't really work that way. That's not what's really going on inside our heads. Yeah. What happens is that we all have our own set of values, our own worldview, um, our own narrative that we use to explain the world. The world is complicated and interactions are complicated and it's hard to think about those all the time. So we, we kind of create a narrative of how we see the world. And it's based on our values, our priorities, um, our experiences and so forth. And it's really hard because Often we don't realize that we have this worldview. We think that everybody else has that, especially our significant other. And, and it's not the case. Um, each person has their own different set of values, their own different, th- how they prioritize things, how they see things, and so forth. An example for me is I've been married for probably 20 years, and, and um, my wife and I had, you know, just didn't quite understand each other on something. And, and what was funny is that she was teaching a culture class, and and she realized that she was from what she called a Western culture, and I was from a military kind of uh, uh, brat culture. And you know, for her, you know, for me, it was do your duty. Um, we were at this family reunion, and we were about to get ready to go for a hike with the family reunion. And and I said, well, it's time, honey, to get ready to go to the hike. And she says, I want to go. And I go. Well, come on, we got to go. Everybody's been waiting for you. Your siblings are there. Everybody's waiting for you. She says, I don't want to go. And I, I said, well, let's go. And she says, why are you being so controlling? And I said, I'm not being controlling. Which, this, is what we're supposed to, this is what we're supposed to do. And I looked at her like she had two heads. And she looked at me like I was this controlling guy. Like, come on, you're not usually this controlling. And I couldn't understand it because from the way I grew up, it was do your duty. And the way she grew up from, a, from what she called a Western culture was it ain't hurting anybody. You know, so it didn't matter if she wanted to go, didn't want to go on the hike. I mean, it didn't, it didn't matter really to other people. But I was going, no, no, they, they're waiting for you. And so, so Timothy, hey, yeah, well, how do you how do you resolve conflicts like that? Well, I think part of it is is your idea of becoming more awakened and, and being able to see your own set of values and seeing the other person's set of values and going, wow. And and part of that I I work through is using what I call understanding skills. Being able to stop and turn your stuff off and go, hmm. huh, you feel, you feel pressured to go on this hike? And she would, she would probably say, yeah. I'd say, you feel pressured because why? Because I don't want to go. Okay. Well, you know, and, and so part of trying to really be curious about what the other person's experience is, what they're feeling, what they value, and, 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 and that's because, and not, because we're trying to create a persuade them that we're right. You know, for me, I was like, let's go. I mean, we've got to go. I mean, I had this expectation that she would be letting down her, her siblings. And she was like, well, no, they don't really care. I mean, well, they, even if they do, I mean, I can make my choices. So part of it is being open to stop and really be curious about what the other person's feeling, what they value and what, how their priorities are. And, 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 and it's not easy to do. Yeah, I was just going to say, it, it's it's one thing, um, 
to to talk about it, but I notice for myself, I have a really hard time shutting off what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking and taking the time to consider someone else's perspective. I'm kind of stubborn. I feel like everybody should just think what I think and then it would be easy. Yeah, if, if the world would do it our way, if the world would do it my way and conform. And, and Tim, some of this stuff is serious. Like, it's one thing to say, like, okay, she wants to go on a hike, and or I want to go on a hike, and she doesn't. But when we when we start being authentic and vulnerable with our significant other, it, it, all of a sudden, all of these conversations where both of you go like, oh, I thought you you held this ground, and I thought you you were in this space. And some of these things are really serious in terms of uh, sexual intimacy between a couple, in terms of life goals, whether people really want to have a lot of children or have no children at all. Like all of these conversations, we're often trying to conform to fit into what somebody else needs us to be to be so that we can be stable. And when we start to be like, okay, I'm going to start telling you what I really think. I'm going to start telling you what I really feel. It feels like you enter a whole new arena of this conflict. And again, I just want to say, like, some of these issues are monumental. They're way bigger than going on a hike. Um, and so I'm looking forward to some of this conversation today. I, I wonder, Tim, if you can maybe get us started. So if, first thing is noticing these differences. Once you start saying, okay, my spouse does not see the world the way I do. They have different needs and wants. They have different goals in life to some extent. That doesn't mean we need to get divorced, right? It doesn't mean we need to separate and go our separate ways, but rather we need to come up with better ways to allow each other the space to be uh, an individual and, and find ways to work together and to understand each other. And so maybe, maybe take us to the next step. Well, one of the things I think that couples need to understand is that many times when we get, when we connect as a couple, you know, there's this euphoria there's this you know kind of puppy love stage where we're where we're you know kind of infused with each other and and we just can't wait to you know learn the next story and so forth and after a while we've heard all the stories we're comfortable just being alone and so forth and then when we feel secure being in love and what happens later on is we generally start to project the the insecurities the traumas the things that that are difficult in our own lives onto the relationship. And then it's like, wait, why is he acting like this? Why is she acting like that? Why is my partner, you know, why is she acting like that? And, and she's not acting like that. She never acted like that before. And what's happening frequently is we're, we're trying to work out these, these injuries, these, these insecurities that we have in ourselves in the relationship. And hopefully, you know, our partner won't respond as our father, you know, and putting us down and making us feel less than and so forth. And, and so we're almost treating them as if they were in that situation. And, and so life gets very difficult in those kind of stages. And that's a normal process of most relationships. And people, when they experience that, like, oh, my gosh, you know, we're in trouble. You know, these pro concepts, these, pro these problems never came up before. And what's happening really is they're wanting to be understood. They're wanting to be accepted. They're wanting to heal from those kind of places. And, and part of it is when we find these conflicts, we don't automatically say, oh, wait, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, this isn't good anymore. It's a it's an opportunity for us to become to the next level, to really start to understand our spouse, our partner, the person that we're in a relationship with as a human being who has their own values, their own way of looking at things, their own priorities, their own insecurities, their own, their, their own hurts. And that's okay. So, so, and that's okay. 
Yeah. So how do we com- so how do we communicate? So let, let's give an example here. So my wife and I, there are times where I and I'm I'm by far the more unhealthy person out of the two of us. Um, when when she does something that's different than the way I want it to be done, and it happens all the time, I get all twisted up inside, Tim. And when the world isn't going the way I want it to be, and she's a factor in that, and I get all twisted up inside, I now look over to her and I express my, on some level, I express my disapproval of whatever that behavior is. And I'm then trying to fix it. I'm trying to coerce her into changing her behavior so that I can be untwisted. And it feels like I'm wanting everybody else to be at fault. And in reality, it's inside me that is all twisted up. It's not her. She's acting in ways that other humans act and, and they're not unhealthy. It's, it's that it, it annoys or bothers or agitates or whatever those words are. And in the process of trying to communicate to her, like, hey, this twists me up inside and I really wish you would not do that. I'm always coming across as an asshole. And I'm coming across as somebody who's trying to fix and to change and to manipulate and to coerce. And I don't want to be that person, um, but I don't, I don't know another way to communicate, or at least I don't know an easier way to communicate. It seems to be really difficult. How do I, how do I start? What, like, where do I start at to try and make these conversations something that sits in this healthy space where, I'm, where we're just sharing feelings and talking about dreams and goals and, and, and being able to kind of not have a personal stake in the conversation to the point where we hurt each other, but to sit back as partners and to say, like, how can we help each other succeed in this thing called life? Well, I want to start with what I call a, a concept of consent. Um, what you're doing, Bill, is what we most of us do is we should on our partner. And, um, and that's not my term. I mean, that's a term that's, that's fairly famous in, in, in psychology. But a should is actually a commandment and a judgment. You're commanding her to be different, to be different than she is, and, she, and you're judging her for not being there. And so I want you to catch yourself going, she should be this way. Okay. Now, when I talk about consent, when we expect our partner to do something, feel something, think something different than what they're doing, what we're really asking is, is a, um, we're, we're trying to have a reasonable request. Hey, would you consider this? And if in a reasonable request, we can know a reasonable request because it can be responded to by yes, no, or let's talk. Now, Bill, if you have a stake in that, and if she says, if you want her to say yes, and she says no, and you get upset, you're not making a reasonable request. You're making a demand. Okay, and so I want you to catch yourself making a demand because what you've done is you you're demanding her to do something she hasn't agreed to do. So in a way, you're violating her consent. So, yeah, it's not like a sexual consent, like rape or something like that. Right, right. We're pushing someone to do something they haven't agreed to do. It's different. They say, okay, I'll take out the trash every Monday morning. And then they don't do it one morning, Monday morning. You say, hey, I thought you said you're going to take out the trash. You know, it's not out what happened. That's different because they've agreed to do something. But when we when we stop ourselves and I said, am I am I compelling or wanting my partner, my friend to do something they haven't agreed to do and getting upset when they haven't agreed to do it? Then we go, oh, I'm shooting on them. Wow. I'm violating their consent. Mm, um, 
Yeah, and I and I do a lot of that. So you say the first step is to catch myself. It's to notice that I'm putting a demand. No matter, it doesn't matter how carefully I word it, because sometimes we think like if I just take out the uh, always and nevers and the oughts and haves tos, that all of a sudden maybe it's not quite a demand. But in reality, the motives are really what counts. And and if I'm making a demand, even if I'm posing it as if they have a choice. The first thing is to catch myself. So let's say I catch myself. Uh, where do I go from there? Well, the next thing you could do is um, you could do what I call expression skills. I mean, and it, it starts with, you know, a kind of a statement like, I'd like to use skilled communication to talk to you about something because I think it will help us. So you're going to introduce a topic that's saying, hey, this is an important topic. I'd like to talk about this differently because I think it would help us. Then you start with something good. You say, hey, I really appreciate how, you know, you've done the laundry and done this um, because that starts with something that, that you, that's a sincere compliment. Then you'd say, when I think about this, I feel this way. I feel upset. OK, so that's an I statement, Bill. You're always entitled to make an I statement about what you value or what you feel. That's not a you statement. See, before you were making a you statement demanding her to do something. So what we can do is we can start with expression skills and say, you know, I, you know, I feel I feel upset because of this. OK, now you haven't asked her to do anything. So part of it is being able to catch ourselves being that way of wanting to make this, you know, unreasonable, this demand. And, and part of it is looking what's underneath it. What's the feeling going on underneath it? And, and there's a legitimate way to be able to express that feeling or that value. I value timeliness. I really feel important of getting somewhere on time. Or I value, you know, wanting to have, you know, four kids. And that's really important to me. You know, you, you can state your value and you can state your feeling. But it's staying on the I side of the fence when we're expressing ourselves. Does that make sense, Bill? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now, the, the trick comes into starting to put that into application uh, and actually do that. So I'm, I'm trying to think in my head, like, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this conversation today. I'm going to go home tonight after work, and I'm going to start to try and be aware of, of when I make demands, no matter how I word them. And then I'm going to start to say, like, okay, I feel or I value, and, and then not not take it to that next step of telling my spouse, like, you need to do this, or I would like it if you did that. Like, that doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Now, you can make a reasonable request. You could say, you know, you know, would you consider? But the whole goal is to shift your mindset to make it as a request and to understand if she's willing to do that or, you know, if you're and, and, and then have a discussion about it rather than to be upset about, OK, well, I need her to do this or I'm not going to be OK. I mean, part of the problem here is we spend a lot of our lives what I call bitching, you know, complaining about other things that are outside of our control that other people have to change instead of building relationship. You know, bitching is very easy because it doesn't require us to do anything. Usually what requires us to do is to do a little bit more work and to and to really try to express ourselves what we value, what we feel we can make a reasonable request. But we have to be aware that, you know, it's part of a discussion. It's part of the we, the, the me, you and we, you know, 
I can say what I feel, she can say what she feels, or he can say what he feels, but if we're working on the we thing, what are we trying to build together? And when it comes to the we thing, it have to be you want to be on the same page to be able to open to the other person's perspective, to open the other person's way of thinking, open to the way of other person's values. And part of when we do that is sometimes we get so caught in, in, in trying to convince others that we don't stop to try to understand them. So understanding skills are different than listening skills. Listening skills is just, you know, being able to to stop and, and listen. But what we're truly trying to do is understand where they're at. And so, Bill, my guess is when you feel frustrated, when you feel defensive, when you feel um, pushed, that your partner doesn't feel understood. Yeah. So, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I'm, I'm wondering if we can go through maybe a couple of examples, maybe some instances you've run into in where people have come in, couples have come in, you've, you've had conversations with a husband or a wife over uh, how they're handling this the wrong way and, and maybe how they used to do it and kind of what we're trying to, to give people as a resource to change and do it a different way. Right. And do you guys come up with – just give me any kind of scenario and we'll kind of role play from there. I mean I've, I've got lots of examples because – I'm a shitty human being, but um, we, Kelsey and I have five kids between the two of us, and it's been a really stressful week for me because of work and and some other factors that are going on. And so last night uh, there was an opportunity to get together with some friends, and um, Kelsey was like, "You go, you have fun. I'm totally fine to stay here with the kids. I, you know, I that's something that I love doing, just hanging out and watching a movie with them. You go and have fun." And inside, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling really torn because um, I want to spend time with Kelsey. I haven't gotten to see her a lot this week, and yet at the same time, going to hang out with um, our group of friends also sounds amazing. And I hate being pushed. I grew up in a military family as well. And so anytime I feel um, like I have to do something or I feel pressured um, because it's something someone else wants me to do, I tend to push back. And so I've got Bill texting me and Kelty telling me, like, you should go, you should go. And I just, I want to go. But at the same time, because somebody's telling me to go, I don't want to go. I, I go out with friends and then I come home and my my comment to her after getting home then created some issues. And I don't know, I'm still trying to figure it out if, if it's me projecting and I have a feeling that that's probably what happened. But so I come home and um, I'm telling her, you know, our friends missed you. They all asked where you were and, you know, everybody made comments about, Oh, Kelsey's so amazing. She took one for the team. And I said, you know, I, I realize in myself that, Sometimes I like to be the hero or the martyr. And I said, but I, it's okay for you to be the hero sometimes. And she, she took it differently than what I intended. I wasn't intending it to, to mean anything derogatory, but it was probably in, in just like thinking about it, me just projecting how I would have felt if she had gone to the party and I had stayed home. Does that make sense? So how do I, how do I work through that? Right. First of all, I would I would try to use understanding skills for your partner, you know, to to help her 
feel that you you understand her. And and so part of understanding skills are what we do is we kind of turn off our own opinion, our desire to fix, our desire to solve anything, our issues, our attempt to justify ourselves. And we kind of would say um, we're kind of guessing where our partner is at. And so you would say you feel excited about the opportunity I have to go spend with the with, with my friends and you feel comfortable staying home, taking care of the kids. And so you're guessing and you're really trying to think where she's at with that. And you allow and, and, and what she'll say is if you get it right, she'll say, yeah, that's where I'm at, you know, or if you get it wrong, she'll say, no, I don't really feel, you know, excited about that for you. I just want you to have a good time. And and, and it's important to me. You're important to me. OK, so if you guess wrong, she'll she'll tell you how you're feeling when you try to put yourself completely in her perspective and going, well, what is she feeling? What does she value? You, you can help her feel um, understood more and you can understand her more. And maybe that would clear up for you the sense of, hey, you know, she really wants this for me. It's OK for me. I don't have to feel torn um, because, you know, she's she's really at that good place. What happens is that sometimes we ought on each other. We, you know, you, we, you know, or, or we, we project onto others, you know, what we think we would, we would do. One of the things I want us to look for in the unskillfulness category, there are some things that we do that are very unskillful in, in our, in our communication and in our interactions with each other is one thing that we, um, we sometimes will, will have an attribution. We think we know what another person would feel. Um, but I, <laughs> that's my problem. I think I know what everything. You, you think you know what everybody feels or you think you, you know how everybody should feel or what do you think, Mikhail? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think that I, I'm really good at figuring out what people are thinking or, or what they're feeling, but that's just bullshit. Yeah. So the question is, did you ask them no. or did you, or did you act on those attributions before you asked? Um, and sometimes about the attribution, sometimes we believe our attribution about the other more than we believe, you know, what they say, you know, it's like, you know, you meant that. No, I didn't. You know, well, yes, you did. You know, um, you have all kinds of times when couples will get into that kind of situation. And the example I used actually is funny from middle school. Two girls are walking down the hall one way and the other girl walking the other way. And the two girls look up and they start laughing. And this girl walking the other way thinks they're laughing at her. She makes an attribution that they're haters and so forth. And so the next bell rings and they come back along the hallway and she makes a bit snide face at the two girls and the two girls make a snide face back at her. Now they're off in a kind of a flaming war. OK, but hmm. I, I asked people that, that girl, I said, give me five reasons they could have lifted up and laughed. You know, it, one of them might be that they're laughing at you and they're making fun of you. Well, another one's that, you know, they might realize they were wearing the same clothes or that, you know, they just they're talking about a joke or something like that. So sometimes we have to be able to check ourselves as this attribution. Do we really know what other people are thinking? And usually we don't. Now, it doesn't matter. I mean, if she's never going to see these girls again, it probably doesn't matter. Her self-esteem is fine. If they were laughing at me or not, doesn't really matter. I'm good. But if they have to sit in chemistry class for the next semester, it does matter because they can't be in thing. So she could say, hey, you know, when we were walking down the hall the other day, I noticed you guys were laughing. I wonder if I did something to offend you. And they hmm. could say yes or no. OK, so she could make a she could ask and then she can believe them. Now, let's say that 
that that they're telling the truth and and you know they 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 work it out either they didn't like her or that you know they were talking about something else that's fine let's say that they they won't be honest it's still okay to treat them as if they were telling the truth okay mm-hmm. if you don't have a problem with me it's all good so one of the things we want to check our attributions we want to catch ourselves making these attributions do i really know before i act on it am i going to check it with the other person and trust that they have a different you know that they have their own perspective you know so so not make not make assumptions right like don't make an assumption ask the question and then trust the answer you're given um rather than having your story about somebody trump the story they're telling you about themselves right and because we act on those assumptions and then you know, we can create the, 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 our, our perspective. You know, if we, if these girls, you know, if she, if she treated those girls badly, then you know they're they're saying, oh, they, she didn't like us. I don't like them. I mean, it becomes that they don't like each other because of an attribution. And so, um, when you're saying that you think that you know a lot about what other people are things, and sometimes we do have a perception of things, but it's always good to check. And to really wonder what's going on in them and to value where they're at because it, they may see the world differently than we do. They may see it very differently than we do. So the all on understanding skills, um, you know, the idea is to turn off our desire to fix or to solve or or to justify ourselves. A lot of times when we're defensive, you know, we'll they'll say, well, you know, where were you last night? And you say, well, what does it matter to you? You know, or something like that. And and so, well, I was just at the at, at the store and it took longer than I said, you know, instead of instead of going, oh, wow, they're concerned about us. You know, wow, they're they're concerned that we might have been, you know, something, you know, so we get very defensive. And so instead of being defensive, we want to try to when we're defensive, we want to try to understand where the other person is. And that's a hard part. Um, you know, we're, we can say, you know, you you, you feel um, concerned or worried that I was out late last night. And they can say, yeah, well, where were you? Well, you can answer, well, I, I was at the grocery store. So well, why were you at the grocery store so long? Okay, well, I, I was, instead of justifying ourselves and saying, well, why are you asking about that? You can say, well, I, I had more things to get. It sounds like you're very, you're very concerned that I was taking, that it took too long, you know, and, and part of it is being able to to go on our partner's standpoint and try to understand what their concerns are, what their values are. Right, right. It, yeah, it feels like the immediate thing is to jump in, like you say, and be defensive. Like, why why did you do this? And your immediate, my immediate reaction is like, like, what's the problem? Like, why, why are we even asking this? You know, I get defensive. I want to, I want to say like, why are we asking that? And what I need to do is like you say, stop, be aware first of like that little tinge inside that puts me on the defensive, set that off to the side for a moment and ask a clarifying question. And like you pointed out to say something like, it sounds like you're concerned about uh, the extra time I spent away last night. It gives them now a chance to establish the, their motive without me attributing anything else to it. And, and all of a sudden, because I find that in my wife and I's conversations, when we do this, it, it only takes the first sentence in response. One of us already sets the conversation down a different road than it had to go on. 
Um, we're, we're already a layer away from healthiness, and now we've got one more thing to deconstruct and fix before we even get back to the first question. You're saying be aware and ask a clarifying question first. Give them a chance to establish their motives. Here, my, my fear of this, Tim, is I look at this better way to do things, and I looked at the resources you sent, and... And this is something that tinges me too. I worry that I'm going to spend way too much now time, too much extra time now, resolving the, having these conversations that now my entire day just passes by. Does that make sense? Like I'm scared to death that to talk healthy requires an extra hour of conversation when I've got a million things to do and I'm running all over the place. Well, at first... A lot of my clients, when I model for them what to say differently, trying to help them to say system, they almost universally say, they say, Tim, that's too many words. But what they, under, what, but they, what they don't understand is that there's a model in what I'm saying. You know, one, you know, first of all is to, you know, set your, your own stuff aside. Secondly, a you feel, you value statement and really wanting to know what's going on in them because of what reason and then and you're guessing about that and let them respond back. But the reality is, Bill, that when you learn to communicate effectively like this, you will avoid, you know, hours worth of conflict and misunderstanding and hurt feelings and so forth. So it's very efficient. Yeah, you, you save time on the back end. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And you can do this with children. You have a child who's throwing a temper tantrum and, you know, about to pick up their toy and throw it at their brother or sister and so forth like that. And is going kind of crazy around things. And instead of saying, don't be upset, stop, go across the room. You say you feel angry and they go, yeah, I feel angry. OK, you feel angry because you're not getting to play with something. Yeah. Guess what? You've just saved a whole bunch of time. <laughs> This 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 works. This works with kids. This works with spouses. This works with customers. It works with all kinds of people. Can I tell a little story? I, I um, once I worked I worked inpatient one time with uh, in a locked unit with people who were seriously mentally ill or suicidal, and I had a woman in there who had schizophrenia, and she told me she she was beside herself, and she said that that panthers had 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 broken into her trailer and were roaming around and had stole her, her cup and, and she couldn't find it and she was beside herself. And I didn't say, okay, you know, there aren't panthers in Alabama. They didn't break, break into trailers. They don't steal. I didn't tell her you're crazy. I said, you feel scared and you value your cup. And she said, yes. This works with crazy people, Bill. <laughs> it works with crazy yeah, and what people. I find too is the... The moment you say it like that, you've become somebody's partner or ally in resolving the situation rather than the person on the other side of the conflict. It takes a lot. It takes a lot to be able to set aside yourself for a moment because we have all our opinions about things and we have our side of the story and we'll have an opportunity to say that. It just happens a little later. It happens after your partner feels understood and they say, okay, Yes, Bill, you understand me, and you get me exactly. You you know what I value, and so forth. And I'm just curious, Bill, what do you value? How do you feel about that? Ah, then is when we switch, and you use expression skills. So I I feel feeling worried because or about reason, and this is what I hope for. What what suggestions or tips do you have for being better at setting aside your own stuff? Because 
again, it's it's one thing to be aware of it, but then it's it's a matter of making a conscious choice. So do you have any suggestions to help make that choice a little easier? Yes. Um, a very brief practice of mindfulness. I would take a cup. As soon as you feel defensive, as soon as you feel angry, you want to respond back. It's like, they don't get me. You need to develop the habit over time of just taking a deep breath. Okay. Take a deep breath, you know, take a couple of deep breaths and say, mm, wow, what am I feeling? Okay, I'm not saying anything. I feel what? I feel rage. I feel anger. Because why? Because she doesn't understand me. Okay. What do I want to do with that? Do I want to be skillful? Do I not want to be skillful? Huh. So part of it is taking a breath, taking some a little time between the stimulus and the automatic response. Now, it takes practice. It takes lots of practice, and you have to do it over and over again to you build the neural pathways to go, deep breath, let's take a second before I respond. How am I feeling? What's going on in me? Okay, I know what's going on in me. Then we can guess what's going on in them. Oh, they have a different perspective. What, how do I want to handle this? I'm feeling defensive. Wow. Let me first try to understand where they're at. First try to understand where they're at. Now, that takes a lot, okay? Mm -hmm. But if we first can just take a deep breath and, and go, okay, what am I feeling? We have not d done the automatic response. Well, what do you mean? I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm being a jerk. You're being a jerk, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, they say something and they can say something very unskillful to us and we can take a deep breath and go, hmm, how do I respond? Well, I feel defensive. Yeah. And they're feeling it. They're attacking me. Huh. I wonder why they're attacking. I wonder why they're so upset. Wow. I care about this person. They're really upset. You're angry. You feel angry. You see? Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, man, that feels so difficult in the moment, Tim. Like, when, I, when you sit back, when I sit back and go, okay, what's a better way? If we just, if we, in the, after the fact, if I were to sit down and look at this whole thing play out on a, on a DVD and be able to slow it down to slow motion, I could step in now as an unbiased, uh, objective person and go like, oh, it would have been better if I would have said this. It would have been better if I'd have said that. But in the moment, like you, you're pointing to, it, it is really tough to p hit the pause button in real life slow down and say like, okay, I want to fire off the handle and defend myself. And instead I need to stop here. And right here is my moment to send this conversation down a healthier path that I've never sent it down before. Um, Mikkel and I were just talking yesterday when people say that this stuff is practice, which you've used that word, this stuff is work. Uh, they're not kidding. This stuff is hard stuff to, to start building new habits about. Right. And, and Bill, there are times when we can't do it. There's sometimes when we're so triggered, we're so angry, we're so lack so much perspective, we lack so much kind of things that we really just, you know, can't handle the conversation. And in a lot of times in those kind of situations, we attack back and people will go for the jugular. They'll they'll go what I'll call the freaky buttons or, you know, the, they'll they'll say the thing to their partner that they know will really hurt them because they feel so defensive and so hurt. You know, we escalate. You know, when we don't feel understood, we escalate until we turn up the volume in the relations in, in, in our in our tactics of the relationships. And so, you know, we can feel try to be feel heard when someone is turning up the volume, when someone's escalating the conflict, they're they're really screaming. I don't feel heard. 
you know, and I need to feel heard. I need you to understand me. And we're doing the same thing. So there are times when we find ourselves just out of control emotionally. We can't do it. So I have a couple of suggestions for that time. I mean, sometimes we do need to be able to get some space. So what we do is frequently create conflict when we're getting space, like forget that. I'm, I'm well, I can't handle this. I can't handle this. You do this all the time. I can't handle this anymore. Forget you, you know, and we walk out, you know. The problem with that is that we, we, we disengaged unskillfully. And usually there's a distancer and there's a pursuer. And the distancer, when they leave, the, per, the pursuer feel, I mean, when, 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 uh, feels abandoned. And when, you know, she's not her, sure that he's or she or he is ever going to come back through that door. So they're not letting that happen. They're going to chase them. And they're going, oh, no, we're going to finish this right now. You're going to hear me right now. So. Part of the thing is to be able to when we're when we're, our emotions are out of control, we can't use these skills to be able to ask for a break. But we can ask for it skillfully. We can say something like you're important. This is important. I need some time. I statement, you know, I need some time to be my better self. I'll be back and then you can walk away. But first of all, you can say you're important. This is important. I'll be back. I need some time. I'll be back. It's almost like a safe word. You know, like, hey, wait, you know, I, I'm, I need some time and space. But that's how we can disengage more skillfully when we need to. And we may need a time. And when we come back, we say, hey, I'm not ready to talk about this. I'm still not that place. Okay, I'll be back again. You know, that's okay. Yeah, that that's a way better way than my wife and I are doing it. She's usually the one who's stepping away. And then I'm usually the one who's aggressively pursuing to finish the conversation right now. And it's, and you're right. It's because on some level I feel unheard or abandoned. She feels unheard and attacked. Um, and we're both coming from these places of hurt. Uh, you're putting, you're putting a, a, a way to do that. That seems to be way more, obviously healthy. Um, I want to talk for just a second. There's this list of unskillful communication tactics you sent. And I just want to read through some of these because I want the audience to get a feel for how many of these they do. Uh, Mikkel, when I, when I think of this list, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing tons of these that Manda and I are doing. I'm sure you'll see tons of these that you and Kelsey are doing the, the shoulds and oughts. Like you have to do this. You should do this. Uh, always and nevers. I hate those two words. And yet I get stuck saying them myself. My wife says them. Uh, a good person. You know, uh, Frank over there, he does that. I don't know why you can't do that. Um, anytime we compare somebody to somebody else in, in a way of saying like that other person does it really well and you really suck at it and you should be more like them. Um, a right-minded person. Like if you were a good person, you would do it this way. Uh, mind reading, attributions of intent, you meant it. Uh, you do it too. What about which is deflection? Um, the data indicates which which I do this all the time. My wife gets so pissed at me for making everything about where the data goes and what the what logic says and what's rational and what's irrational. Tit for tat. Uh, go ahead and hurt me or if you love me, which is victimization. And, and you've got all these names for these commands, superlatives, comparatives, judgmentalism, expected behavior, um, deflection. Uh, personal attacks. You're a this. You're an asshole. My wife does that. You're an asshole. Well, maybe my behavior was, you know, assholery right here. But let's not call me an asshole because now you've put me as your enemy. All of these unskillful communication tactics, uh, zingers. You're worthless. Emotional cutoff. 
uh, blame shifting. Uh, you talk about gaslighting, bringing a third party into the discussion. Uh, we do this a lot. Well, let's just ask our friends. We'll ask our friends which one of us is right. Um, and, then we, and then we pose it to the group, and now the group gets to weigh in. Um, these are all, yeah, these are all unskillful. And I'm doing all of these. I feel like a shit show now, Tim. Um, so help me, help me by talking about some of these skillful ways to do this. All of us do many of these unskillful communication tactics, uh, Bill. We we just do them. Um, but when we notice them, when I when I when I go through these with clients and when people understand this, and you can share these on your on your show notes if you're if you want to, um, that we can catch ourselves doing it. And many of these have other ways to do it. Like when we come up with the shoulds, um, you know, uh, you know, you should be doing that. When we catch ourselves, we can say, we can make a, a reasonable request. We can say, hey, is this a good time to talk? Um, I'd like to, you know, ask you, would you consider this? And when they say, well, let's talk about that, you know. So in, when we catch ourselves shoulding, we can decide we'll we'll make a reasonable request. Um, one of the things that we can do is one topic at a time. Um, that's one of the things that avoids flooding. You know, well, okay, well, we got that going, but you do this and this and this, you know. So part of it is when we have serious conversations, um, we can agree to talk about one topic at a time until we're we either want to take a break on that or till we feel we've we've make a, had a resolution, and then the other person can bring up another topic. But then we need to ask, is this a good time to talk? Every time we change a topic, because they may be worn out, you know. And so part of it is one topic at a time and asking kind of permission and consent to have a big conversation about something and to see if the other person's in a place to do that. Um, checking attributions, what we talked about earlier, verifying meaning, you know, like, um, were you upset with me? You know, and then believing them um, or doing our own inventory. Sometimes we need to take responsibility of what is our part in the in the thing, you know, you know. You know, they're saying I did all this. Well, I had this little part, but they have all this. Well, okay, you can't change them. You can only change yourself and your interaction with them. So, what's my part? Okay, what's on my side of the state? Hmm. Okay. Um, being specific, staying a narrow focus. That's important too. Um, you know, timeouts. What I just talked about before, emotional regulation. When we find ourselves overwhelmed. We can stop and say, hey, you're important. This is important. I need time. See, the, the two components of that is one is common ground, you know, acknowledging the importance of the other person and the importance of what we're doing. And so you find common ground. And then second is an I statement. I need time. OK, so all those are good. Um, one of the things that we, we want to deliberateness in our conversation, sometimes when we have a really serious conversation to have with somebody we need to think about it, sit down and think about it beforehand. We might even pull out one of these, you know, understanding skill sheets and go, hmm, I feel what? Because of why? What do I hope for? What do I hope for? You know, and, and really think through it beforehand. Um, starting with what I call infirming, starting with a good. When you have a conversation for someone, you start with something, hey, this is what I really appreciate. You know, starting with something good, it keeps them off being defensive. Um, and also another thing we think about when um, Gottman, who's the, you know, kind of the king of marriage and family therapy. Um, uh, <clears throat> okay. Well, one of the things Gottman talks about, you know, repair attempts and turning toward versus turning away. You know, and he also talks about stonewalling and, you know, criticism, defensiveness um, and, and, and um, you know, you know, the, the contempt, those things. But what we need to do is we need to look for repair attempts. 
okay, what can I do to acknowledge my part in things and to find common ground and say, hey, what can I do to come back? You know, and so part of those things is to look for opportunities to do do overs and repair attempts and and to really try to am I turning away? Am I turning toward, you know, am I turning toward my partner? So um, avoiding trigger words. I mean, we all know what what sets our partners off. You know, we really need to be careful around those things. We don't want to say, hey, you know, you're acting like your father, you know, um, that just because we know that's hurtful. Um, so um, setting boundaries and limits. Sometimes boundaries are really important to be able to know where I end and where the other person is. She can have her boundaries. She can decide to not go on the hike. She can decide to, you know, not have sex tonight. She can decide, you know, that she doesn't want to, to do this. She can have her own or he can have his own reasons for things. And so people allowing people to set boundaries, boundaries really are create relationship rather than push relationships away. Um, one of the other things that I find helpful down at the bottom of my list here is evaluating stress and priorities. It's what we call a scaling question. On a scale of zero to 10, how important is this? You know, this, I would do this all the time with my spouse. You know, we're going to go out to dinner and she says, well, where do you want to go? And I'd say, oh, I don't really want Mexican. And she says, I want Mexican. And I say, okay, on a scale of zero to 10, how much do you want Mexican? She says, a nine. I don't want it a two. Okay, we'll go to Mexican. It's fine. If she, if, if something's really a nine or a 10 on both sides, then we have to use really skills. If it's a two on either side, flip a coin, doesn't matter, you know? So part of the thing is ask yourself and ask your partner, how important is this? That's part of about prioritization. And it's an easy, quick way to do it is use a scaling question. How important is this to you on a scale of zero to ten? You know, and you had no idea that, you know, something was a nine for her and you thought it was a two. It was like, oh, wow. OK, <laughs> that's important. Does that make does any of these make sense to you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mikkel, I, I want to ask you. So it, it feels, Tim, and, and I'll, so I'll state this first to you, Tim, and then I'll ask Mikkel the question, because I think it boils down to, Tim, that there's two things happening. And, and the first one is when I see a behavior in a person I value, that I do, but the behavior I don't like. And we're trying to figure out healthy ways to enter a conversation where I get to share that, hey, this behavior hurts me. This behavior causes me pain in some way, and I'm wondering if there's anything we can do about it. And, and then the other side of the coin is that another person sees a behavior in me, and my, and the, my behavior is causing them pain or hurt. And, and we're hence talking about all of the unhealthy responses to those two sides of the coin. And so I'm happy to share my, my two cents on how I handle those now, but I wanted to at least throw it out to Mikkel first. Mikkel, in terms of when you see behaviors in Kelsey or in somebody else you care about that you don't like, what is your natural go-to? And when somebody sees a behavior in you that's causing them hurt and pain and they point it out to you, how do you handle that? I wondered maybe if you could talk about that for a moment because I think most listeners are going to go like, yeah, that's me too. And that gives Tim a chance to kind of say like, okay, here's a better way to do this. So your first question, what do I do when I see behavior in other people that's not okay? Is Was that um, – it depends on the person and how, how safe I feel in our relationship. I know for you and I and, and our relationship that we have as friends, but 
um, the relationship that we have with our spouses as well, it's I find it easy to point out things that I see in you, partly because I see them in myself oftentimes, but partly because I know how much you value our friendship and that you'll you'll sit with the things that I have to say and you'll evaluate them. In regards to like my spouse, there again, it, it's we've developed this relationship where we we now feel safe to say what we need to say, knowing that um, our intention isn't to hurt, but to promote growth. And so, you know, in the beginning stages of our relationship, there's no way we could have, I mean, we had so much conflict and so many things that we were working through. It was more difficult to say, hey, like, hey, babe, I see this and I'm just, you know, I want to have some understanding and it's maybe not the healthiest way to do things. It used to create a lot of conflict, but now it's easier because we've, we both are committed to getting healthier, not only individually, but as a couple. What was your second question, Bill? The second question is when someone sees a behavior in you, and I guess I'm ah. pointing more towards Mikkel, like the unhealthy side of that. When, when you see a behavior in Kelsey and you just need her to fix it, like, you, <laughs> like when it shows up in an unhealthy way, uh, what does that look like? Like, what are your, what are your responses? And I, <laughs> and again, I, I'm pointing, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm challenging you to be vulnerable first, but I'm going to come in right behind you and say the same, the same kind of stuff. Ah, uh, that, that's hard. Cause I feel like, um, she should just fix it. You know, I, I want it to, to be better partly because it's something that you pointed out earlier. It's, it's because of the tension that I'm feeling in myself. Um, because I think that my way is right and people should just do it the way that, I see um, or the way that I think it should be done because then we wouldn't have this problem if they just did it my way. And your way is the best way, right? Obviously. Right. Your way is the best way. (laughs) I say that jokingly though. Like I know that it's not. Right. So when we, when Mikkel and I see a behavior in our significant other that we don't like, it's, it's causing us turmoil inside. And that doesn't mean the behavior's wrong. It doesn't mean the behavior's unhealthy. It only means that either A, maybe it's unhealthy, or maybe we're unhealthy uh, to the point where it is agitating us and it shouldn't be. But either way, we now feel a need to speak up. And rather than look at my spouse and say, you know, what you did is not okay. That was wrong and you have to fix it. Um, Tim, I catch myself. I go, Oh, I'm, I'm about to get, I'm about to go on the attack. Um, run us through. And, and again, I know we're reiterating some of these over and over, but I think that's part of learning. This is hearing these examples over and over. Um, I'm agitated. I catch myself. I want to tell my spouse their behavior is bothering me and I want something to change, but I get it. Maybe I don't get to demand that. How do I enter that conversation? So what I would do, Bill, is I would say, honey, partner, I'd like to use kind of a different way of talking about things because I think it would help us. Is this a good time to talk? Okay. And so the first thing is ask your partner for consent to even start the conversation. Right. Well, and also start to say, I want to talk this to be a different kind of conversation because it will help us, help us. Because I want to kind of talk about use a different way of communicating because it will help us. So it's the goal is to help. Is this a good time to talk? Okay, because they need to consent to be able to at a good time to talk because it may not be. 
Then the next thing is you're going to well, start. Well, you're so, so, well, I want to stop you. You're establishing the person as your partner yeah. rather than the person that is your opponent. Right. And you're asking for consent to even have the conversation to begin with so that that person now uh, feels like they are a partner by saying like, yes, I can do that right here, right now, or no, now is not a good time for me. Right. And so it, yeah, and so part of what it is is acknowledging that they're part of this conversation and that you're caring about their needs and their participation and you're inviting their participation. So now it's, it, it's a dialogue. It is not a diatribe, <laughs> you know. So the, the next step would be, and this is outlined in my thing I call expression skills, um, start with something good. Um, so you know, let, let's say your concern was about, you know, household chores that weren't being done or a, a comment that they made to you that really felt hurtful. You know, you could say, you know, let's say it's about a, conf- a comment that they made that really f- you felt put down by. And you could say, you know, I really appreciate the times when we're when we're talking and, and you, you know, you you care about me, you compliment me and, you, and that you're grateful for something I do. You know, you start with something good. You start with something that you can compliment them on that's somewhere related to the to the, the story, but isn't the big thing. Hey, when you do this, I'm pissed, you know, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, you did this and you and it's not like that. You're going to start with something that you that 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 is common ground that you're grateful for. Then the and next that has to be sincere. And sincere, right? like you right. can't it, it can't come off like I'm just trying to come up with something positive so I can move into criticizing you. But it right. has to be a sincere compliment. A sincere compliment. Then it's when fact, we want to be specifically say what it is. When I think about the laundry. Okay. And, we, and the, this when we get better at this, we're gonna try to almost use it in passive voice. We're gonna try to avoid a you there. Sometimes it's not possible to do that. But we want to be specific about the exact thing we're going to talk about. When this fact, I felt feeling word, I felt angry, I felt put down, I, I, I felt, um, I feel, um, you know, uh, overwhelmed. Annoyed, right. Annoyed, Annoyed. overwhelmed. Annoyed. Um, right, right. Yeah. So the goal, the goal here, I mean, this, this stuff seems simple, um, Mikhail and Bill. But it's actually very deep because our goal right here is to develop emotional intelligence to be able to identify our feelings. And frequently, our feelings are about 10 different things. And when we segment out each feeling and what they're about, it makes a lot of sense to us. All of a sudden, all these things aren't all muddled together. So our goal in really in handling any kind of stressful situation, being able to identify what feeling or what value is coming up is paramount. And so our goal is to say, I feel feeling word or I value value. And then you could say, because I felt angry because the laundry was all over the room and I value tidiness. I feel uh, uh, overwhelmed when there's so many things around the house that I feel compelled to clean up before I can start doing my work. So when I saw the laundry all over, I was felt overwhelmed and, 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 and kind of angry because I felt I had to get it done before I could concentrate on my things. Now, notice these are all I statements about what's going on in us. We haven't used a you statement yet. And then we can say, what do I hope for? 
I hope to be able to concentrate on the things I need to do without big distractions. Okay. Then if you get to that place, you can make a reasonable request. Will you consider picking up the laundry and putting it away? Because see, what happens is usually we make a diatribe of what they're doing wrong and we're not making a reasonable request that they can say yes, no, or let's talk about. Because we're trying, we, we ellipse that part. We get to the point where we're, where we're expecting them to know what to do because we just complain. Oh, you're so messy. You come in. I come at home and all of the laundry is all over the place and you know I have to get work to do and here I have to do all this stuff when, you know, it's your clothes. It's all over the floor and, and boy, you know, aren't you just a pig? Okay. No, we've not made a request there. You know, we've just, we've just insulted them many different ways. We've all used all these you statements and, and we make them responsible for our emotional response. So instead, if we said, when I saw the laundry all over the house, I felt overwhelmed because for me, I'm a bit OCD and I, and for me, from my environment has to be clean before I can get after doing things. And I just felt like I had to pick everything up and that wasn't on my time frame. And, and I'm just really frustrated. Will you, cons- will you consider picking up the laundry? It, it feels like when you do it that way, because the way I do it is I'm telling my spouse their behavior's wrong, they need to change it. And what you're, what you're gently shifting us over to, and in some places maybe not so gently, but what you're shifting us over to is this idea that I, I am feeling something, you have a behavior that is that I am, that is, has me feeling something. It doesn't make your behavior good or bad, but it but I cannot live with this anxiety or this feeling that I'm having without sharing it with you. So here's my feeling and here's what behavior you did that that had me feeling it. Regardless of the goodness, the badness of the behavior, is there any way you can accommodate a change so that I don't feel this tension or anxiety? And again, as you're pointing out, it needs to be a reasonable request. So I want to ask in a moment, I want to get to when our partner says no to our request, what we do. But I also want to tackle the other side of the coin first. So when somebody sees a behavior in us and and they're pointing out, and maybe they're even doing it unhealthy, maybe they're even coming on the attack uh, because because they aren't in a moment of practicing this these skills. Someone, someone sees my behavior, my behavior causes them some kind of pain or hurt. They reach out in an unhealthy way to tell me that my behavior is not good. How do I stop the situation and come back in in a healthy way? So that's understanding skills, okay? They're trying to ask you to do something. They're being unskillful and so forth. So first of all, I want you to try to turn off your opinion, your desire to sit fix, your time to solve, your issues, and most importantly, your attempt to justify yourself. Oh, I do all those. I do all those so well. So as soon as you justify yourself, they don't feel hurt. You know, they say, you know, you're a slob. Your crap's all over the uh, over the thing. I've talked to you that, that 17 times, Bill. You know, when are you going to get this right? You jerk. Okay. As soon as you say, what are you talking about? Stuff's over. I cleaned it up last week. Did you? Did do they feel like you heard them? No, no. So you can say you feel angry. You feel overwhelmed. You feel frustrated because you've talked about this many times and and you're pissed. Now you're guessing and they say, you're damn right I'm pissed, you know, you know, and you just let them go. You know, so part of it is getting to the place where you care where they're at before you try to fix it. See, the problem is, Bill and Mikkel, is that frequently in these kind of 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 problems, 
it's a it's a it's a difference in values, and we haven't even gotten to that yet. So you have to use understanding skills to get down the. We start at the twigs of the tree to work our way down the branches to the trunk to really understand what the roots of the problem are. So if you say you feel because and you feel because of that and you feel because of that and you hope for this and you do that enough, you'll get down to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem may be that she's overwhelmed and she just wants you know a little bit of help and you know that 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 she you know she sees in herself that she can't get, keep her life together and she's wanting you to try to help fix that and you don't know what to do that's the real issue but it came up about the laundry so stating stating back to the other person rather than get defensive state back to the other person it appears that you feel this and it feels it, it and it appears that it's this behavior of mine that has you feeling this thing right and so when, when i use this for um, people don't talk like this well, i'm asking people to talk so it's it, this is entering into skillful communication and it will sound very different when you do it and they'll know that you're doing something different and that's fine for beginners i ask them to follow the script directly and not change it you feel feeling word put a period after it and you can do anything else be quiet not I think that you feel because that changes the subject. Okay, to my feelings, you you're guessing, and if you guess right, she'll give you brownie points, or he'll give you brownie points. If you guess wrong, you know, I mean, you still get brownie points for guessing, but if if you guess if you guess right, they'll say yes, yes, I'm overwhelmed, I can't handle this, Bill. You're so overwhelmed, you feel so overwhelmed, you can't handle it because what you guess the reason. You know, if you if you say that. Just those ways, it's really helpful. Now, later on, after you get become skillful with this, you can use your own words and your own ways of doing it, and you can add into it. But you've made the shift over to being out of your camp and into their camp, to really understanding why they're in the position that they're wanting to understand why they're in the position over their eyes. You're not telling them. It sounds like you're telling them what they're feeling, but actually you're guessing, and they'll tell you if you're right. And it opens them up to be able to set, to express their emotions and their values. Yes, I value timeliness, Bill. I need to be on time to get to places or I don't feel okay. And we're 10 minutes late and I'm overwhelmed. You're really overwhelmed. You're, you, you, when when you, you need to be places on time to help you feel well and feel okay and you're not okay because we're late. And this is really – you, you just don't know what to do. And she said, yes, yes, yes. Okay. The bottom line with understanding skills, our goal in the very bottom is to be able to stay a you feel or you value on a deep level of something they haven't even realized yet. They'll go, yes, you understand me. Oh, my gosh. And that feels like intimacy. That feels yes. like connectedness. And it feels like if you can get a conversation started on that footing and continue the conversation along that path that suddenly you're doing this in a different way. And it, and it feels like it makes a space for both people to feel heard and both people to take on, uh, whatever, whatever challenges are in the relationship to kind of make things 
safer and healthier for the other person as well as feeling like their own boundaries are respected. Um, and, and we don't have a ton of time left. I, I, I hope people will take some of the, the tools and resources. We'll share a ton of resources in this episode so people can start to chase some of this stuff down themselves. But I, I want to make sure we cover before we kind of get to what we have to make as an end. Unfortunately, we can't, can't kind of hash this out all day. But what you're giving us are really important skills. My question comes to what do we do then, Tim, when we get, if let's say both sides are adopting this new way of doing it, they're having healthier conversations, they get to the crux of the problem, and there is a difference of values. And one person is hopeful for a behavior to change, and they are posing it as a reasonable request, meaning the other person has the right to say, no, I can't do that, or I won't do that, or I'm not doing that. And the other person does choose to say like, hey, this behavior, the way I do it is important to me. Uh, you don't like the way I laugh? Well, damn it, that's the way I laugh. And again, they're having it in a healthy way. Um, so it wouldn't obviously look the way I just said it. When there's a difference of values, how, how, do, we, how do we sit in the anxiety that something causes us and still let our partner be who they are and not impose that they change to make us comfortable if those values truly are different and important to both people? Well, part of it is being able to understand our values and their values. And when we really understand our partner's values, we may not share some of them. They may be different for us. And part of it comes to really accepting them as human beings. There's acceptance and change. It's both. And so part of it is accepting them as human beings and go, wow, that's how they see the world. And that's important. And and that's them. And I can value them for them. Part We create suffering, Bill and Mikkel, in the moment when we can't accept the world as it is at this moment. We create suffering. And so it takes a lot of skillfulness, and this is almost like Eastern philosophy, to get to the place of coming to acceptance. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have goals to change and make things better and to think in the future, but being able to accept things as they are right now. Now, there's some things it's okay not to accept. You know, if your spouse is beating you, you don't have to accept that. You can say our values are different. I'm I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to leave. You know, there are times when when couples I've had couples come together and they they understand each other's values and their goals and what you know and they can't develop a we set of goals because they're just too incompatible and they're very skillful with each other and they say well what's best for me as a person and for you as a person for us particularly together and. And in that place, they say, well, we we need to pursue other things. And I've had couples that will uncouple. You know, they will go separate ways and find other relationships because the fundamental values, when they skillfully looked at it, they can't find a we thing. They can't get to a we set of values. And that's fine. And and, and me, that's a you know, I'm pulled up my hands in a in a in a success because they've both learned a lot about themselves and they're going forward to what they really want to have. And on occasion, there are those kind of things which are which are deal breakers, you know, or there is abuse, which, you know, and, and this person is a narcissist or, you know, has borderline personality disorder or is using you or something like that, where they're they you've asked for a change in values. You've pointed your point out and they're, they're they're stomping on on what's important to you. And in that case, you withdraw. I mean, you you separate. So but in most case, Bill, it is a matter of understanding them accepting them as they are today and 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 um, finding ways or 
to accomplish the underlying goals. A lot of times the problem is that we disagree about the method to get there, but the underlying shared goals are enough in this case. So we can find another way to do that. Does it make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I think it's a matter of realizing number one, none of us get everything we want, right? Like I, I don't get the world to be the way I want it to be. I have to learn to live with compromise in relationships that I value. And you're right. Sometimes the difference is so significant that that the the positive thing, the the win in the situation is for two people to split up and to find a partner that's more compatible uh, to what their values are. But but in most instances, I think relationships are are just um, these situations are resolved by both sides realizing, like, I don't get everything I want. There's going to be compromise. And on some level, I have to find out which things are less important to me, even though I want it differently than my partner, but it's really important to them. Like, 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 like you pointed out earlier, just using the restaurant as an example, I want Italian. They want Mexican. They want nothing to do with Italian. And, you know, if I had to eat Mexican, I would be all right. Like, those are the compromises we need to make every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we need to make those kind of every day. And coming part of the mindfulness piece to be able to say, well, where is my – what am I feeling? What is this about and what I hope for? But we haven't gone to the what am I hope for thing because that changes the whole thing. What are my goals? What are my aspirations? What are my values? What do I want? And when we think about that, that's a creative thing. That's building. That's not bitching. It's building. We're building it. And what we can do is build together our shared values and goals where we want to go together. And sometimes that requires compromise. And sometimes it requires, okay, these are the things we really value. We've been hooked on this way of accomplishing it. Is there a different way to accomplish it? And so when I work with couples, I mean, the next set of these things, once you be able to develop your, your values and what you want to try to work toward then, you know, then there's ability to brainstorm and to try to evaluate how we do it. And then the next step is we, we implement a plan, but then we come back and we relook and see how well that's doing. It's an iterative process. And so there are steps beyond this, but many couples can't get to these problem solving and conflict resolution skills and the maintenance skills to be able to generalize this in other areas of their lives and maintain it in other, you know, through, through, throughout the relationship without being able to separate you know, their values, their feelings, their priorities, their hopes and dreams from the other person's and to see them as separate and to be able to try to even understand the other. Understanding the other and, se- and understanding yourself are the starting point. In my experience, we're working with couples for many, many years is the couples that can do understanding skills get better and the ones that don't, don't. Um, I, I can tell you, I almost never use this healthy way of having a conversation around uh, whatever, you know, whenever there's disagreement in me and my wife's relationship, Mikkel, are are you practicing these or are in your relationship? Are you guys struggling just as deeply with trying to, to do it this way? Um, I think, I think that we struggle. It's, it's easier at certain times, you know, obviously when the conflict is less heated or emotionally charged, it's easier to take a step back and, and be aware of yourself and try and consider um, someone else's perspective. But I find that the more, the more 
I don't know, serious the conflict is, I guess, the the harder it is for me, especially to put myself aside and um, consider Kelsey's perspective. Yeah, I think I think this is tough stuff, Tim. And I think most I, I, people are listening. So the thousands of people that are listening to this episode, my hunch is that almost all of us are going like, oh, I'd really love to do it uh, Tim Burt's way. Like, it's a much better way. And yet I've got all these habits. I've got all of these experiences in the past that immediately throw me into doing it the same way I did it before. Um, I, I just, I wish people luck. I wish people uh, encouragement in terms of like learning to slow this down. As you point out, man, this is not easy. And this is going to take trying it over and over and over again, just to begin to kind of edge into doing this a better way. But I, I think you're showing us that when we can start to do this, when we start to do this, that it becomes uh, a much more productive way to be in relationship with people that we care about. It is. And, and just to help people to understand, no one's going to be good at this at first, and no one's going to do it 100% of the time. But what happens with the clients that I work with is that when they're exposed to this and they can start catching themselves – you know, and and after a while they start using it, it feels really awkward. They go, Well, I can't talk like this, and they try, and sometimes they even laugh. You know, you feel, well, you're using that thing that they talk about in therapy, communication skills, and they laugh about it a little bit. And you know, and when they try over time, after a while, when they really try, I have clients that are doing this. I said, You just reflected his feelings. They said, You did. I said, Yeah, you said this. Oh, I guess I did. It can become part of it. But it, just like many things, you know, it had lots and lots of trying and repetition and learning from experience before you can get there. And I encourage people to use these resources. I mean, for couples in, with big conflicts to seek out a marriage and family therapist or a, a, a counselor or, or a psychologist or something to work that who does this kind of work to, to help them through it. I mean, the things I'm sharing today aren't aren't just all mine. I mean, they, they take from a lot of different areas and you know, communication skills is a lot, a lot of therapists use you know, very similar things to this as, as well. So it's not, it's, it's not just unique to me. I mean, I'm borrowing from, you know, standing on mountains of people that have, have done this before, but just be, I want people to kind of take a breath, stand back for a moment. How am I feeling? What's going on in me? Why is that? Huh? Okay. How can I better deal with this? Okay, let me just try it. A little bit of that over time goes a long ways. And so it's just been a pleasure to to share these things with you. And you know what? It's funny. They should teach this in kindergarten. Yeah, I, I they should. And I wonder, Tim, any resources you can forward on to me, uh, text them to me or put them in a Facebook message to me. I'll include them in the episode. Any place that people can go, they want to hear more about this this kind of conversation, uh, if you know of any books, if you know of any podcast or uh, audio out there, let's let's point the listener to that. I think having a conversation this way is so helpful to, to marriages and friendships. Um, it's of the utmost importance, and yet I'm looking at it like, okay, I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to try it, and I'm probably gonna you know I'm probably gonna fuck it up probably ten more times in the next twenty four hours. I just I want people to sense like, oh, this is gonna take some time, but this is this is gonna get us to a space where we're better and more productive in our relationship. I just appreciate Tim's time and and like you said, the 
the skills and the resources that he's provided. Um, and for me, I, I know that it's just practice. I just have to keep trying over and over again. And it does get easier the more that we practice. But like you said, we're still going to just mess up and we're still going to not get it right sometimes. That's just life. And, and that's okay. And that's okay. That's okay. You guys can work toward it. You can turn toward each other in relationships. You can realize when you've gotten, you know, kind of sideways with stuff and that you're being unskillful and you can stop and go, oh, let me do a do-over on that. It's okay. Take it easy on yourself. Learn to look for your own emotions, what's going on inside, and learn to understand that your partner values other things. And and you can really care about your partner when you really begin in, in making the shift on occasion really can help wow what are they what are they going through what what are they feeling what are their values oh wow you know it it, it can really be neat thank you guys so much yeah no problem tim for the for the couple of listeners who are nearby you you're in georgia where can people find out more about uh, you and your practice um I have an, an office in, in Auburn, Alabama, and also in, in Georgia, uh, Psychology Today. I've got ads on Psychology Today um, in, the, in those areas. Look in, look in Alabama and Auburn, Alabama, or Columbus, Georgia. I've got ads on, on Psychology Today like that. That's probably the easiest way to get hold of me. And, and look, I, um, there are many kind of marriage and family therapists out there that do kind of good work like this, and so you don't have to necessarily you know, come here. And I'm, I'm willing to you know, kind of reach out to people. I'll, I'll give a, an email address or so. And, you know, I can, I'd be glad to talk to people and, and try to find resources for them in their own area. Beautiful, beautiful. That's what we need. I, I wish, I wish talking to a therapist wasn't as taboo and we're getting better at it in our society, but it wasn't as taboo. And people felt like, Hey, we should all have a therapist. We should all have somebody we can go and talk to and confide things into and have these conversations. This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsensespirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director, Brittany Hartman.